Well, it's Valentine's Day week, and we're going to be talking about loving, learning, and earning. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, you know that sometimes when we're taking care of business, it bleeds over into other areas of our lives. We welcome that here. A lot of times you hear me talk about things that are outside of just work or creating income. The new version of 48 Days to the Work You Love has in the title two critical new words, and those are 48 Days to the Work and the Life You Love. So we're going to be talking about and life today, as well as the traditional business kind of things. And I said, we're going to be talking about this, and the we is not metaphorical, it's reality. I've got with me my wife, my Valentine, right here beside me today. She's going to join me to talk about this. And it's always good to be on your podcast. You are my forever Valentine. Whoa, there you go. Hey, it's been a long time. We've been together. We've been through all kinds of things. We're going to share this loving, you know, how do you keep love alive when there are kids, in-laws, grandparents, work and more to fit in, you know, learning as you continue to grow, which we hope you do. How do you handle changing as a person, you know, without this business of, gee, she's not the person I married. You know, we grew apart. We hear that a lot. Yeah, I hate to think that I would be the same person you married when I was 18. No, I was 19 when we got married, and uh, I'm a lot older than that now. So, uh, yeah, I'm not that same person, nor are you, nor do we want to be that, those same people. Absolutely. So, we embraced, That's not a very good excuse. <laughs> we embraced the changes as we went along. And then earning, if you are in a traditional job, Maybe your income is pretty fixed, but a lot of you we know are in more entrepreneurial kind of ventures, especially after these last two years. Some of you may have felt forced into doing things more creatively, but with that, there may be unpredictable income. You know, how do you handle that? The ups and downs. What if income is low? And on the other hand, what if income is up 10 times what you were doing 10 years ago? You know, how do you handle that? responsibly. So we're going to share some of our stories. We're going to go through a, a couple of different areas here, including personality differences, raising children, uh, decision-making, creating a haven of peace, being an entrepreneur. Then we're going to give you a seven-point summary recap for things that you can do as well. Now, we met when we were very young. Joanne, you were 17 years old, walking into the Ohio State University, first day of your first day of college, and I was one of those dudes standing there scoping out the new chicks walking in. You were indeed. And uh, I, one of the best pieces of advice my mother ever gave me is if I don't go to college for any other reason than to meet a good man, that's a good place to do it. Well, guess what? Very first day, I met a good man. <laughs> and uh, the story unfolds from there. And it's still unfolding. And yes, we've learned a lot along the way. And we have had a lot of ups and downs. But it's been quite an adventure that probably left to my own devices, I would have never ventured into. Um, I've had to learn a lot along the way and uh, um, change a lot along the way. But that's part of what makes a marriage strong is changing and growing together. And that's what we've, that's been our goal from the beginning. Well, one of the things you kind of touched on already is the fact that we were pretty different people in a lot of ways. We came from totally different 
cultural, religious backgrounds. Yeah, when I heard that you were Mennonite, I thought that was a different country. I wasn't really (laughs) sure. I had never heard of it. (laughs) Uh, A Hednite. There you go. A Mennonite. (laughs) Yep. Well, I grew up in that environment. My dad pastored a little tiny church. We were very, very conservative. He eked out a living as a farmer. Thought that was a responsible thing to do. Don't ask questions about enjoying your work. And I grew up just wanting more, wanting to do more, see more, have more, go more, be more, perhaps, and uh, interested in new ideas. As I've shared, I got a hold of the little audio recording, The Strangest Secret, Earl Nightingale talking about we become what we think about. And I thought, could I really change the direct- direction of my life as it seems to be laid out by changing my thinking? So I was always eager to explore and have more. Uh, your background was pretty traditional. Yes, but uh, one thing we did have in common, you know, as you're saying this, is uh, that we both came from conservative backgrounds. You know, my I was the the oldest of three daughters to a single parent, and never knew having a father in the house. My mother was quite strict and puritanical in many ways, so the backgrounds were similar in that respect. But that's about where it stopped. Our personalities are extreme opposites of one another, and. They say opposites attract, and I did see things in you that I was that I really admired, and you in me, I'm sure also um, a lot of things. I'm sure that's right. <laughs> um, but the differences um, sometimes can cause problems later on in a marriage, and we find often, and you read statistics about this, that sometimes the the uh, the strengths that you admire most in your spouse or your significant other are the very things that irritate you later on in the marriage, and so that that's kind of uh, a little bit about what we want to address today. Well, we refer to the DISC profile often on here: the D, I, S, and C. D being dominance, I influencing, S steadiness, C compliance. Well, our profiles are the exact mirror images of each other. They're as different as they could possibly be. Mine is extremely high in D, dominance, C, meaning you don't want to have things done a certain way, so very task and results-oriented. You are very high in the INS, which are the people relationship skills. So we're very, very different. I mean, if we walk into a, a party, our responses are going to be very, very different. You know, given an option of you know, what to do on a Friday night, you know, I could be content sitting at home reading a book and you want to go out and party somewhere. I mean, we recognize those are dramatic differences, but fortunately for us, when we were very young, we decided that instead of trying to make each other clones of each other, which often is the case, you know, I want you to be like I am. I want you to respond just as I do. We embraced the differences. We didn't try to fix each other. We tried to complement each other because those things were very different. And therein lies a problem for a lot of couples in recognizing that, yeah, you're different. Why don't you think like I do? And I have to check myself on that often in in dealing with not just my spouse, but with my children, with my friends, and so forth. We don't all think the same. And uh, one of the things, the most important things I think I've learned in taking art classes for so many years and doing the art that I do is that we all have a different perspective and we all come from different experiences. And if we were all to paint the same picture, we would all do it with different eyes. And I think what that's important to recognize in a relationship. Yes, we are different. Now, how are we going to use those differences to make a really good 
relationship and make a family work in the way that it should. Some of you are probably familiar with the Enneagram as well, that being another popular personality profile. Joanne is a two, very solidly so, peacemaker, nurturer, taking care of people. I have enabling down to a fine art. There you go. You want to help people (laughs) out, fix their problems. Whereas I'm a five, very much the headspace, thinker, cerebral. Um, We very much have been identified over the years as I am the head, you're the heart. That's very, very true, which means we're going to respond to situations and to people and to our perspective on helping people out, even our kids, is likely to be very, very different. And yet again, we come back to that basic premise where we didn't want to make each other the same as the other, but instead complement each other in how we do that. So, you know, raising children has been different for us. We have three children. We love the process. We included our kids at every stage of the process. I mean, you often went with me and we a lot of times took some of our children when we went to major events. So it wasn't like, gee, dad goes off to work and we don't see him, you know, for a few days, but we were included when I've had businesses along the way. You all have been included, all those things to familiarize our kids, with what we're doing, what we're interested in, unless in the fear of the unknown. But um, our parenting is probably different. I think including our family as a whole into the businesses that you've tried to to start, the businesses that you've uh, worked on for years and years, having having them be a part of that was instrumental in that cohesive bond that we all had. We all worked together towards a goal. And whether it's folding <laughs> folding newsletters, oh my gosh, I remember hours upon hours of us sitting in, in the living room with boxes of, of newsletters we were folding up back in the day when you actually did a, a physical newsletter, and stamping and stapling and mailing and all of that. And our kids were included in that from the time they were pretty young. There were so many areas of different businesses that we included them in. And I think a a very uh, important part of having an entrepreneurial business especially, but even even just a regular business, is including your spouse, including your family, so that it's not a a situation where somebody asks the child, what does your dad do or what does your mom do? I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. That should never happen. It should be we should we should be included. The family is a whole. So let's include everybody in all the different activities and responsibilities that each person holds. Well, and along with that, we also make want to make sure though that those family members are not just pulled in to do things that one person doesn't want to do. It'd be very easy for me to pull you in, have you take care of all the the details, the financial reports and all that because I don't enjoy doing that. What about you? Do you enjoy picking up the pieces in that arena? Let me, do I really enjoy it? Not always, no. But is it a means to an end sometimes? I have, my philosophy in life is pretty much I can endure about anything for a short time. Now, when you call me in to fill in for a secretarial spot for about three days and ends up three years, yeah, that kind of doesn't doesn't gel too well. That's happened a few and times. And that's happened a few times. And we've learned some of the some of the lessons that we've learned and some of the image that we show people that uh, of the marriage and the relationship and the home life that we have has come through a lot of ups and downs and willingness to learn and a willingness to change 
and a willingness not to, as this may sound crude, but as you say, not crap in your own nest. And that's such an important principle. Why do you want to, why would you, being the assertive person that you are, and the more demanding and the more uh, uh, aggressive personality in the relationship, why would you impose such restrictions or demands that would harm our relationship? Let's talk about it. Let's see if we can't come to an agreement. And that's where so many uh, relationships break down, where people are, are just not willing to do that give and take. And fortunately, I married a guy who was willing to do that, and I'm very blessed. Well, thanks. You know, we, we wanted to include our children and each other in what we were doing, even in terms of business, and not just to get things done efficiently. And, you know, you mentioned some of those times folding newsletters. Well, remember those days when we were putting together the early versions of 48 Days, the three-ring binders? Oh, well, my stars, yes. Had, somebody had to put the cover back and spine in. The spine was the worst, and we yes, all hated it. We did. And then we put them in a box, and then each box got... 48 peppermint candies, and nobody was real fond of counting the candies. We used to have a truck, you know, big 18-wheeler come back our lane with just pallets of those candies because we were shipping so many of those out. And the kids were involved in that. But then in doing that, we also gave them opportunity to experiment with things they were interested in that would, in fact, generate their own income. So with Kevin, our oldest, when he was 14, we had him go to Atlanta for a few days to learn window tinting. And he came back, started his own business where he would tint windows. Now, I had an auto accessories business at the time, so it was a nice carryover from that. He had a lot of easy business coming in, but he would do Jags, Mercedes, Volvos, those kind of cars where he would work three or four nights a week after school and made Five six hundred dollars a week, where he could then spend that on the bicycle racing that he was really interested in. But show kids, you know, how how to fish essentially. You know, not just provide the food for them. Show them how to be self sufficient. How to take an idea and turn it into something they could enjoy. And that was all done in the context of what we were doing business wise. And Jared came along, and knowing that his older brother was a bicycle racer, Jared was pretty good at the mechanics. And one summer we were living in a community of 433 homes. I said, Jared, what are you going to do? Well, most kids, you know, would throw newspapers or, um, you know, mow lawns, those kind of things. Well, a lot of kids are doing that. What are you going to do that's different? What are you going to do that just emphasizes your unique skills? So he decided to do bicycle repair. And we have a flyer that I still have here in my office today that we handed out twice during the summer where it simply said, Flat repair, this week's special, $5. We distributed those. People would have a flat tire in their bike. The advantage that Jared's business provided is that they didn't have to haul it down to the local bike shop, scratch up the paint in their car. He'd go get it. We didn't have to give him transportation. He'd go get it, bring it back to the house, and in doing so, developed a very profitable business that he had. And then Ashley, you want to describe what she was doing at school? She made pies. She learned that from home. And we did a lot of, excuse me, since I homeschooled, we did a lot of home ec. So uh, she made a lot of pies and she would sell those for a good price. I think she made 20 bucks a pie. That was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. So she was doing well there. The whole issue is that we included the family. And I think that's an important 
a point, a, an important part of any really good relationship is to include the whole family. And we did. So at this point, we are parents to those children still, and grandparents were Yaya and Papa to a whole bunch of grandkids. So we're seeing now them pass on those same kind of principles, the same kind of things they heard. I mean, one of the stories you probably are familiar with here is that as discipline, when our kids were small, we used a process called attitude adjustment. So instead of a spanking or standing in a corner, we would have our kids sit down and listen to a, a motivational tape. You know, a lot of times being Zig Zig or that real iconic voice where he'd talk about stinking thinking and check up from the neck up. Well, here's our little boy, Kevin, 10 years old, having to listen to old Zig Zig or, you know, resenting the process, but those seeds go deep. And here we are all these years later, and Kevin is now host of the Ziegler podcast. Funny how that all came apart, but uh, he heard those tapes, those messages. That was punishment or correction when he was a little boy. And in hearing those principles, again, became friends ultimately with Tom Ziegler, Zig's son, and now hosts a very, very large podcast on his own right. Well... Those kids have grown up, but when, when, when you're looking at how to do, how to raise children, you can lean into your own authenticity, your own uniqueness. You can embrace that even as you're helping your children find their own uniqueness as well. Decision-making, I mean, we've used a pretty concise process for all the years of our marriage. When confronted with a decision, we allow a two-week maximum for arriving at a decision. Now, the reason for that is it goes back to our personality differences, I tend to be pretty impulsive, which means I pretty much operate with the you know, ready, fire, aim philosophy, whereas you'd like to take a little more time to consider things. And so we agreed on a two-week time frame to go through, whether it's deciding you know, what kind of car to buy, where we're going to send a child to college or whatever, two weeks being and the process being this. Number one, state the problem. Number two, get the advice and opinion of others. Number three, list the alternatives. Four, choose the best alternative. And number five, act. But you and I agree on this, that indecision is crippling. You know, the Bible talks about that. An unstable man is, or a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And we don't like that process of being indecisive, just hanging over your head. We like to look at the facts, get the information, make a decision, and move on. That indecisiveness can be very crippling and depressing. And we learned Along the way that, yeah, setting a deadline made it so much easier. I think so often we get caught up in waiting for God to have this bolt of lightning answer for us in a decision that we're making. And sometimes that decision isn't something that's nearly as important as how are you going to go? What are you going to do with that decision? Where are you going to go with that? And who's going to be in charge? And I think that's important to remember in making any kind of decision is God will bless you if you're in the right frame of mind. We've made some pretty big decisions along the way where we know we could have made an alternate decision yes. and still had things work out okay. Exactly. Last week on the podcast here, I talked about the fact that we left Southern California after being there for a little more than three years and drove across the country in three days because we had a five-day rental on a U-Haul truck not having any idea where we were going to live or what I was going to do to create income. But it was an adventure. We decided on the adventure 
decided on the life that we wanted based on geography and some other factors, even if we didn't have a clear picture of what we were going to do income wise. And we really- did not have a clear picture. That was a <laughs> whole other story. <laughs> Well, we experimented with some things, and I yeah, decided on one little business that turned out to be uh, very successful and very fulfilling, a lot of fun for me. It served us well for several years until I got antsy, as I typically do, and uh, moved on again, which is another thing. You know, you still refer to me as a, a three-year man. You know that I'm never looking for something where I'm going to lock in and do this for the next 20 years. That whole idea doesn't even appeal to me, and that just is very much a personality It's thing. a part of your personality yeah. and very, very contrary to my personality, which is high in S, and I would be very happy to stay in the same spot forever. I used to be. Let me, let me just qualify that because I used to be. I know that that's my personality style, but I've learned through the years, and this is part of what we've learned from one another. You know, I've learned to be able to embrace change in a way that I, I, I think that is a little bit more contrary to my high S personality because I've seen what I've lived long enough now to see what happens on the other side and that taking those chances sometimes or what I think are chances or risks or whatever you want to call it uh, sometimes leads to some great adventures. And we've learned so much through that. And I, and I've gained so much more experience in life because of that, that I'm thankful. And let me just say, let me say, insert this because we keep referring to personality styles. I think the one thing, if I could say one thing that made the most impact on our marriage, and it was learning those styles, our personality styles, the, the, the style I have for myself and what my tendencies are, and, and your uh, personality style, as well as our children's. And it was so helpful in helping me to recognize that Perhaps you were being uh, you because that is so innate in you, and I need to listen to what you have to say, because I've always felt like you're the wisest man I know. Yes, you are the head, uh, but I also know you have to have some heart in there, and I've gotten to the point in in our marriage and in my life where I can speak out and insert, okay, now wait a minute, Let's, let's think about it this way too. You can't just bowl over somebody or make this decision without thinking of these other things. So we've learned to really compliment one another. But a lot of that is because we've learned so much about each other with our personality styles. I feel like that's just such a major point in all of this. It really is. And when we were first, when we first met, you know, again, you being 17, maybe an 18, very, very young. You know, I remember the, our first Christmas together, you know, you showed up with this in advance with this list of like 30 people we were going to buy gifts for. And I was who in the world are these people? You know, they're cousins and aunts and uncles that, you know, six steps removed, six states removed. You know, we'd never, Slightly exaggerated. We'd never seen that. Who cares? And well, you, you had that sense of obligation. These are family. We get gifts for all these people. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Now, that being said, we both have modified on that a little bit. It's not that we become the same. You still are an extreme giver. You give and give and give. It's one of the things I, I love about you. Whereas my tendency is, hey, make it on your own. You know, figure it out. I'm not near. Jerk. That's right. I'm not <laughs> near the giving heart that you are. But seeing your passion for that and what it does for you and, of course, for recipients has softened me in some areas where we've been way more intentional about our giving. And we've done things that fit my style 
in giving. Being a car guy, I mean, there was a period of time, as you know, where uh, our goal was to give away a car every month, where I would look for a car, buy it very inexpensively, make sure it was checked out okay mechanically and everything, and then give it to somebody in need. So it, it addressed something that I was really interested in that I could do well, but it was a form of giving that stretched me and helped us kind of be the balance that I think is a healthy place now. Mm-hmm. We just, we just recently, we just, well, we just this week um, made the biggest gift we've ever given in our lives. It's a major gift uh, based on a decision that we made to kind of leave a legacy in Tennessee where we used to live. But uh, that was a big deal, and uh, we're totally at peace about it. Once we agreed on it, totally at peace about it, and thrilled with what we were able to do. All right. Hey, a couple other things here. Creating a haven of peace. I mean, that's something you've been really intentional about. You know, how do you create a sanctuary both in your work and in your home? You actually wrote a book about that, creating a haven of peace. You know, how do you make your home really a place that is welcoming. What's important in our house that makes it a home? That was my career. I, if I had to tell somebody what is your, uh, what my career is, it is making that beautiful, peaceful environment for my family. Years ago, back in the, I would say, uh, 70s or so, I remember how important it was, how many people were writing about how a a relationship needs to be 50-50. And I really bought into that for a while. And one day I got really convicted about it because I thought, all right, if I'm expecting you as my husband to take up 50% of my job, then I should be willing to do the same for you. Because I'm expecting you, and this, of course, we've had a very traditional uh, relationship in the fact that our you have been the breadwinner almost uh, the entire uh, our entire uh, marriage, except for those months where we were thought we couldn't put food on the table. But most of the time, you have been the primary breadwinner, and I have been the housewife, the domestic engineer, whatever you want to call me. But I took that very seriously, and it's a job I wanted, and I think that expecting you to take half of my job is not quite fair when you have so much responsibility to support our family, to support a home with five people. That takes an awful lot of courage, responsibility, a lot of work, um, a lot of stress. So I got to the point where I thought, that is just not fair. I want your time, yes. But I'm also, I became much more vigilant about not just expecting you to listen to my day and take part in my day in a way that you just were so overwhelmed after coming home from a whole day of your stresses and strains and working with employees or whatever it was that you were doing for the day. And I became a little bit less that 50-50 and recognizing that, yeah, I want you to be an active part in our family, and I'm certainly going to include you, but I'm also going to give you that space that you need for your own development in, raise, in raising the money to be able to support us. You know, one of the things that you've, uh, it's, you're alluding to there is we decided that we did not want to be dependent on each other. Now, you, you were a candidate for that. You know, you know that. You yes. were, would have been a candidate to just kind of um, 
know, become my slave, I guess, if I if we would have allowed yes, that. Yes, master. Yes. <laughs> so we didn't, and we, we didn't want that. Neither of us thought that was healthy to have dependency. Neither were we looking for independence where you just go your own way and I go mine. You know, we just have, our lives are separate. If we happen to meet once in a while for a meal, that's a, we didn't want that either. We wanted interdependency mm-hmm. where, yes, I value, I so desperately need the things you bring to our relationship, the things you bring as a spouse, as a mama into our home, you know, so, so important. So we want that to know that we can be okay on our own, but we value the ways that we come together. You've hit a very important uh, point, Dan, in that, uh, well, one of my favorite books is uh, For Better or For Work by Meg Hirschberg. Uh, Hirschberg, yes, Cadeau Hirschberg. And she wrote uh, a great book that anybody... Again, you say the title again slowly to make sure for, they really hear it. Okay. It's For Better or For Work. Yes. And they are the, um, or her husband primarily started the business for the Stony, is it Stony Field or Stony, Stony Brook? Brook? Stony Brook. Uh, yogurt. yogurt. And how they started that out of their house and the story that uh, of all of the things that they went through that I could so relate to. It's a great book. But one of the things she talks about is creating self-reliance. And that's something that I have really learned to do. I don't expect you to provide all my happiness. I don't expect you to fill my cup in every way. And that has taken a lot of personal growth on my part. And it's taken a lot of give and take for both of us. But knowing that you work the long hours that you do in, in the businesses that you have worked I've had to cultivate some things on my own, things that I do without you, and be happy with that, be content with that, and not expect you to fill my cup all the time. And so I got into art, and that was back in 2000 that I I got into art, and I have just thrived since then because I found parts of me I didn't know were there. And I think that's an important point for us to recognize in any good relationship, is that interdependence. We don't want to be dependent on each other for our happiness uh, in a way that stifles our own ability to be happy. You know, one of the things that we're experiencing at this season of our life, and, you know, we have, uh, in the last few years, you know, we've had interesting things happen. We've made some big decisions about moving to another state, you know, Mm -hmm. buying another home. And, you know, there's no question, you know, we're in a pretty good position at this point in terms of people looking in would think that we're in pretty good shape. Now, I'm, I'm gently leaning into the fact that we most, worked hard for this. <laughs> very but I, hard. I'm kind of gently leaning into the fact that most people would expect me at this season of life to not to retire, to not be doing anything, well, to just, you know, Heaven help me if that ever happens. There you go. You know what that would do to me if I really expected to get up in the morning and just do nothing or just go play another round of golf. I still do what looks like work. Now, again, the definition of work uh, varies dramatically. And for me, I'm doing things only that I really enjoy, but I still really enjoy doing those things that I do. So I spend a lot of time doing that. You allow me to do that. 
you have developed other things instead of you just, you know, tapping on my door gently at 10 o'clock in the morning, you know, saying, gee, are you finished for the day? No, you know that on weekdays, you know, I've got pretty consistent things that I do. And you allow me to do that. You've developed art, you go play canasta, you go on field trips with friends and all that. So you've developed a lot of things that you enjoy. And I love the fact that you have done those independently of me without trying to force me to just quit the things that I really thoroughly enjoy as well, even if it still looks like I'm spending a lot of time working. And you do, but that's okay. (laughs) I know you're doing something that you love. I do things that I love and we get together and we have things to share. We become more interesting to one another because we're not just sitting around whining and, and that's, you know, it's a give and take. It has always been a give and take. It's an intentional lifestyle, intentional living. And those are the things that we've tried hard to do. And we've done, both of us, done a lot of introspection to be able to get to the point where we feel like we can have a peaceful home and a peaceful, uh, pe- peaceful marriage. Yeah, and some of the things that we've done in our marriage, just in terms of the relationship itself, you know, we're very intentional about how we treat our relationship, you know, not seen as some kind of standoff thing that we have to work on, but just naturally, what do we build into our relationship to keep it alive? And we're often asked about that. At this point, we're interviewed a lot about the relationship we have, uh, being entrepreneurs, especially. And one of the things that we've practiced over and over the years is respect, respect, kindness, patience, yes. compassion. Those are things, again, those are things, I mean, if we really looked objectively at this, things that are more natural for you than for me. But I recognize the value of those. We teach our children these principles, and then we violate them as adults. It just doesn't make sense. So yeah, we've, whatever we've taught our children, we've, we took, we've taken role modeling extremely seriously. And what we've taught our children, we've also done ourselves. We have. Well, there's so much more. We're, we're going to wrap it up here, but there's so much more to be covered. Uh, certainly, we could lean into just the idea of an entrepreneurial marriage. Uh, Joanne referenced one book. There are many out there. Uh, we study that a lot. You know, how to make this work well when you don't have just a regular paycheck every Friday, which I've never had in my life. Uh, and, never- and that studying and learning is ongoing till the day we die. That that didn't stop when we turn 50, or when you, quote unquote, didn't retire, it's <laughs> ongoing. We're still learning. Didn't retire. Not going not gonna to happen here at all. Well, we do have mutual goals. Love and respect are at the basis for our personal relationships. And our business relationships really are no different. We want love and respect in our business relationships. I'm doing some things right now that are very heavily dependent on trusted personal relationships. And even doing investments, you know, with trusted friends. I mean, it takes a lot of trust to be able to move into business together like that. And again, those are the things that have made our made our marriage strong. Well, we think that you two can make your life what you want it to be. Continue to show respect. I mean, we do. We're we're very physical. We don't want to go too deep in that rabbit hole, but when we, we, we touch, embrace, kiss, I mean, those are still things that are very much a part of our daily existence. Those aren't things just reserved for once a year anniversary, but those are all things that have made our relationship what it is. So here's kind of a recap 
seven points. We'll put these in the show notes so you can pull them off. I'm sure she'll create them so they look good together. But number one, maintain right mindset, right idea, right network. It's kind of the foundational principles. Number two, create a family mission statement. We have a mission statement that we've used over the years with our kids when they were small that we selected together and continue to use that today. Number three, embrace personality differences as strengths. Number four, have a decision-making process. Five, create a plan for irregular income. Six, practice love, respect, and kindness at all times. And then recognize your best laid plans will change. Enjoy the journey. Not as predictable as what we may like it, but wow, what a ride to enjoy the journey. So we hope you're having a wonderful Happy Valentine's Day. It is a special time to acknowledge those that are very closest to you, for sure, and others around you. We we had fun. We, we sent out a bunch of goodies to people just as they came to mind. We shipped them some goodies that they'll be surprised to get here as we approach Valentine's Day. It's always fun to remember the people that you love with just some small gesture, if, even if it's just a card or an email or a text. So as always, this is part of doing business well. We're at folds into doing life well. So it's more than just business, but it's a way to produce productively productively as well as living productively. So we hope you've enjoyed this little segment with Joanne here with me. Thanks as always for being our listeners. Send us your thoughts, your questions, your success stories, your resources for others. Just go to 48days.com slash askdan for that opportunity. But thanks for being out there for faithfully uh, connecting with us in this way and for believing with us without a shadow of a doubt that we can find or create work and a life that is meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. 